Okay, the story begins. Now we've got to behave. Recording's on. Hmm. <laughs> okay, we're continuing our conversation about Kavana, about um, feeling our service to God, not just performing service to God. Serving God with love, serving God with awe. We started the chapter discussing the importance of awe. They're both wings. They're both the wings that let the service fly. But which one comes first, ideally, if you had a choice? Reverence. Exactly. We say reverence has to come first. And, you know, th this is actually foundational. I, it, it says that reverence is the foundation and the beginning of the service. Reverence precedes love. Um, and by the way, relationships are like that too. In order to genuinely love someone, you have to respect them. Um, so it, it, it's the same thing in relationships as well. Healthy relationship. Um, a healthy relationship. Yeah, good. well put. The reverence, the way we develop reverence for God is simply being aware of his presence and being aware of his relevance. And it, it's actually... A, two things it's being aware of his relevance to us but more importantly being aware of our relevance to him he cares that we act properly he cares about how we think about what we feel about what we're um passionate about in life and when he we realize that he's very much present and he cares our behavior makes a difference that's going to inspire us with some level of reverence. Just like when people are watching, our behavior is different than when we're behind closed doors. We're a little bit more relaxed behind closed doors. Um, when we realize we never truly are behind closed doors, God, God is always present. That helps us develop reverence, respect. A respect for God's presence means we're aware of the presence. And we spoke about different levels. The ideal level is the emotional awareness. I feel it. Um, a less ideal level, but still functional, is at least an appreciation of God's presence. If I don't feel it, I at least I understand it. And that's enough to at least motivate my behavior. We then said that when I have that foundation, that's not good enough because that's only a one-winged bird. We need the other wing, and that's where the love comes in. And love is difficult to develop. Love is very difficult to develop, but we can at least at least up, um, love God conceptually, if not emotionally. If we don't feel it, we can at least appreciate him. Just like with the awe, with the reverence. If we're not going to feel his presence, we can at least appreciate conceptually that he is present. It's the same thing with our love. If we're not going to feel connected, we can appreciate the fact that we are connected, at least believe it. And that will inspire us with love. Now we develop, now we introduce a third kavana. Um, it's sort of a different layer of kavana here. It isn't sufficient just to feel connected to God, we need to feel connected to God's people. That's the next level of Kavana. 
that part of doing a mitzvah doesn't just connect us and satiate our thirst for him. It actually connects us and our soul to him, and we're part of a larger collective picture. Take a look on page 510, the um, second bold paragraph on the page, right under section nine. However, our sages of blessed memory have taught a person should never exclude himself from the community. And everything in the Torah and in the Talmud and throughout Jewish literature has multiple layers of meaning. And on a literal level, um, we shouldn't exclude, be part of the community. Come to shul, take part in events, right? When in Rome, fo follow Jewish customs. Fo but the esoteric meaning to this is that we need to have the intention of connecting our soul with God together with all the other souls while doing a mitzvah. The, uh, the next bold paragraph, therefore, when worshiping God, your intent should be, in addition to everything stated above in this chapter about love and reverence, you ought to have a furthermore esoteric intent to merge with and attach to God not only your own particular soul, but also your divine soul's source, which is one and the same as the source of souls of all of Israel. So just to give some background here, there are two parts of our soul. There is the conscious part of our soul, the part of our soul that um, takes form to the body, the part of our soul that is that we are technically aware of, our feelings, our intellect, our emotions. But then there's a part of the soul which is subconscious, which is closer, deeper to our, which is more part of our essence. Um, because again, it, it's important to remember that as human beings, we're created in layers. I'll give you an example. The soul has layers. There's layers to the soul. And there actually are five layers to the soul. Um, these layers are going to, you know, the most basic layer is your behavior. That's the most external layer, the part of your soul that inspires behavior. We spoke about it in the course a little bit, actually. That's called the nefesh. Um, a deeper level is the part of your soul that activates emotions. A deeper part of that is your intellect. And then you have your will, your drive. That's number four. That's even deeper. And then you have the part of it that is just, just you. It's not, a, it's not your drive. It's just, just you. Like Dr. Seuss says, nobody could be you than you except you. Um, <laughs> to, 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 to illustrate an example. If somebody were to offend, let's say you did something and somebody were to offend it, make fun of you, make fun of how you behave, right? It's offensive, it is, right? When people talk down to us, it's offensive. But they're not making fun of me, they're making fun of my behavior, I'll get over it. I'll get over it eventually. I'm not gonna be so traumatized. If somebody were to offend my feelings hurt my feelings 
right? Which means offend what I love, offend what I respect, to belittle what I look up to, my feelings. That's a lot more hurtful. Making fun of hurting my feelings rather than hurting my behavior, right, is a lot more hurtful. But again, that's just an outer layer, it's not me. A little bit deeper though, if you make fun of how I perceive life, my intellect, my conception of life, not my not the way I perceive the, the, the way I perceive life, my ability to perceive. Making fun of how I think. That's a lot more offensive. If you make fun of my passion, my drive in life, that hurts. But again, my drive isn't me. My drive is what drives me. <laughs> it's not me. I'll get over it. I can get over it. Right? I can get over that trauma. But one of the things in trauma, if you were to ask Hasidic teaching or Torah, how to get over trauma, well, you, I guess you have to see how deep the trauma is. And if you can get over that, if you can get, if you can develop, uh, explore a part of yourself that's even deeper than that, that's incredible. If you were to offend who I am, not how I behave, not how I feel, not how I think, not what I am driven toward, but just who I am as a whole, my essence, essentially as a Jew, nobody tolerates that. Jews don't tolerate anti-Semitism, right? For that same reason, because that is just me. That is who I am. Now, generally, when we think of love for God, we're talking about the conscious part of the soul, whether it be a behavioral spot, right? One, the, the lower levels of the soul, the higher level of the soul, the root of the soul, which is just who I am on a very essential and raw level. That also connects to God, but that also connects to other people. Because it doesn't have any specific form to limit it to. Essentially, when we connect to, to God through a mitzvah, we are connecting to Jewish people at, um, in a Jewish community, a larger Jewish community, at our core. We are. And that's a very deep connection. And having this kavanah is so important. So to... to um, to put it in simple English, we are connecting the essence of our soul with our conscious soul. Essentially, the essence of the, our soul is connected with everybody. The conscious soul kind of has its independent identity. But when we do a mitzvah, we're bridging the two, connecting our conscious selves with everybody. Are we familiar with the term Shekhinah? We heard of Shekhinah. Sounds familiar? Isn't it? That's what rests in above and women's yeah. hair, whatnot. Yes, yes. The God's divine, God's That's divine it. resting. When God rests with us, it's called Shekhinah. Um, many people ask, why is God referred to in the masculine, not the feminine? 
Um, and the truth is, the word Shekhinah is a feminine, is in the feminine tense. And when we refer to God as how he is dwelling with us, the Shekhinah, that's referring to God in the feminine. Shekhinah means to, to manifest. When God manifests with us, that's called the Shekhinah. Um, are you familiar with the term Mishkan? Mishkan, the tabernacle. Mishkan is from the same word. From, Mishkan is from the word Shachen, to, to rest. Because the Mishkan is God's resting. Or the word, the way you say uh, neighbor in Hebrew is Shachen. Same idea. So God's Shechina, when God rests with us, well, guess what? The soul, as it is invested in our body, the manifested part of the soul, the conscious part of the soul is referred to as Shechina, as God's divine presence. And when we do a mitzvah, we're connecting our soul with its essence, connecting God's Shechina how he manifests himself with his essence. Essentially, when we do a mitzvah, we're allowing God to be vulnerable. With us as people, there are two parts to us. <laughs> There's the part of us that we show everybody on Facebook. <laughs> There's the part that people see, part of us that we let people see, and then there's who we are. And ideally, we want those to be the same. But by nature, they're different. It takes work to make them the same. The way, and, and, and by the way, it's the same thing with God. There's who God is, and then there's how we perceive him. And those could be very different. Um, they could be very different. The only way to truly align that is through a mitzvah. Because a mitzvah takes his divine will, which is a piece of him, and links it to the physical world. So now how we can experience him and who he is can actually be one and the same. And that same process happens to us when we do a mitzvah. The essence of our soul links with our conscious soul, the shechina, becoming one and the same, ultimately connecting all Jews because on an essential soul level, we're all one. Make sense? Any thoughts, comments, reflections? Uh, sorry, I'm late. <laughs> You're here now. That's what counts. I'm late. <laughs> you made that, it. That why the there there's such a, the idea the connection of all the souls from Sinai and all that. I mean, I mean it's not it's not literal. It's 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 the real deal. Yeah, yeah. In, in other words, the what we have most in common is a mitzvah or is Torah study because think about it our Judaism our passion for Judaism you know we're, we're different personalities every there's 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 uh 
7 billion people and 7 billion personalities. So even if you're both passionate about the same thing, you're at the end of the day, if you really break it down, you're different. Values, perspective, these are all different from person to person. Even in, a, in the same culture, if you were to have a conversation, if you were to go to, to I'm just, you go to 770, I'm just picking a, a, a community where there is a common culture and you interview 10 people, you're going to discover 10 different sets of values, even though they're all following the Torah's values. But, but if you, you know, the way people interpret things are different. So what we truly have in common is the essence of our soul. Not just the values of our soul, but the essence of the soul, the soul itself. And that's activated through a mitzvah. The same Shabbos candles, the same tefillin, the same charity that Moses did, we're doing. So and in terms of our passion for God or our understanding or appreciation, we vary, right? We're different than Moses. We're different than each other. But in terms of the mitzvah and the study of the Torah, the, the essential value, there's an inner, there, there's a, there's an essential connection. That is the deepest connection. The, the Rebbe once spoke about in one of his talks that when attempting to make a gathering to bring unity, it's not enough that everybody are coming for a common purpose or a common belief. Because even if you and I share the same beliefs, we may interpret those beliefs differently, slightly differently, just, just because we're different personalities. And we may um, value the beliefs differently and, 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 and translate them emotionally differently, process, emotionally process them differently. So he said, if you want real unity, there has to be a Torah study, Torah study at, at the event. Because Torah study is an essential value that links us all. And this is now going back to why, why is this relevant? <laughs> the Kavana that we're talking about today is the Kavana of unity. Being aware that when we do a mitzvah, we are not only connecting our souls with God, we're connecting our souls with each other. Yeah, I missed the beginning part, but um, I saw. I'll repeat it. From, okay. <laughs> so, but our souls come from God, and then, and because they come from God, they have to make connection with God. But they've got different ways of making the connection. But there's some things that are in common. But the, the connection is the thing that brings us together. Is exactly. that what I missed? It, it well, there's there's the connection of the soul, and there's the perception of the soul. Let's put it that way. If, if we were to really simplify it, right? The perception of the soul is going to vary. So if I perceive God, and that's why I'm connected, and you perceive God, mm -hmm. that's why you're connected, we may have very different connections because we perceive differently. But what if there's like this? Exactly. If there's an essential connection, not just a perception, a perceived connection. Yeah. That, that's much deeper. And that's more unifying as well. And that's brought out through a mitzvah. An objective value. 
that we share. So we're all working towards a common goal and that's to make the connection with Hashem so that we can all be together. Exactly, exactly. And having this kavana, having this intention while doing a mitzvah is, is, is powerful. So earlier we were talking about the kavana of I'm doing this out of respect for God or I'm doing this out of love for God. But here it's a much deeper type of um, experience. Take a look on page 512, the last bold paragraph. It's sort of in the middle of the page. Um, this may sound familiar to some of us. It, it is in the Siddur. Right we say it, it's a line that we say right before the Baruch Sha'amar prayer. And this is the meaning of the Kabbalistic Kavana said before the observance of mitzvahs that the worship is being done, quote, for the sake of the merging of the Blessed Holy One with his Shekhinah, the Blessed Holy One with his manifestation, which are the souls in the name of all of Israel. It is Israel through their performance of mitzvahs that are uniting God and the way we perceive him or the way or essentially uniting our souls with the way they are uh, manifested building that essential connection now this kavana is harder than it seems and he's going to address it why is it such a difficult kavana because it requires a very genuine love to god take a look on page 513 and and, and we'll see that the the expectation that this kavana requires may seem to, to hinder our ability to actually um, attain it. But, and he'll address that. Page 513, the bold paragraph on the top of the, the line, on top of the note. And though for this kavana to be genuine in your heart, for your heart to genuinely desire this merging, you would need to have what's called the Ahava Rabbah, great love in your heart there's different types of love mm. which is devoted to god alone that type of love is a type of love which where i i love god it's not just about my thirst for god it's not just that i'm passionate for god and this is what i need it's just devoid of ego or self-interest and for your worship to be genuine it would need to be carried out with the kavana purely to give god a feeling of satisfaction that I, God, spoke and my will was carried out. And not because you want to satisfy your souls, next page, on the top of the page, a thirst for God. To really connect to God on an essential level, which means I'm passionate, um, I'm passionate for God, not just because I perceive him, but kind of the other way around. I perceive him because I'm passionate about him because I have this inner deep essential connect, 
connection. I am connected and therefore I feel. I'm not just connected because I feel. That is very difficult. That is very difficult, but that's the prerequisite to true unity. How am I supposed to achieve that? <laughs> a tzaddik, that's an expectation we would have from a tzaddik. The Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, used to say, uh, we, this will be familiar because we quoted it in the class last night. The Alter Rebbe used to say, I don't want paradise. I don't want the world to come, Gan Eden and heaven. God, I only, he, I only he, want you. He was very romantic with God. He said, I don't want any of that stuff. I just want you to focus on the relationship, not on the experience of the relationship. That is the prerequisite to experiencing true unity. And that is so fun to talk about. So difficult to, <laughs> so difficult to implement. So what do we do? His solution on page 515 is is fascinating. We're all familiar with the concept of fake it till you make it, right? This is a variation of that. It's not fake it until you make it. It's fake it because you really are it. This is my truth, even if I don't experience it that way. That's what they say, perception is reality. Yeah, and, and we're and we're taking it a step further that it's the real I'm accepting the reality even if I don't perceive it, which will inspire my ability to perceive. So to 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 take take a step back. If I'm connected because I feel passionate, my connection is limited to my passion. And that's not going to breed unity. But if I am connected and my passion is just a byproduct. So now my connection breeds unity. By the way, you know where this idea is alluded to in the Torah? We're talking about all these Kabbalistic connections, but this is actually alluded to in the Torah a few weeks, uh, parshas ago. You're going to love this. When the Jewish people were camping at Mount Sinai to receive the Torah, it says, the verse says, and he camped at the mountain. Well, you have 3 million Jewish men, women, and children. Why does the verse call them a he, an individual? So the commentary Rashi explains, based on the Talmud. What? No, that they won. They... Yeah, exactly. The Talmud explains, and here's the, I quote, they were like one man with one heart. Like yeah. one person with one heart. Okay. Rewind to the previous Torah portion where the Egyptians are chasing the Jews as the Jews are fleeing Egypt. And Rashi, the commentary based on the Talmud, says a very similar sentence, but this time in the reverse order. They were, they had one heart like one person. The Jewish people at Sinai were one person with one heart. The Egyptians all had one heart like one person. It's the same sentence, just in the reverse order. And there's fascinating significance here. Mm -hmm. Jewish connection breeds love. Egyptian connection is just a product of love. Mm 
When connection is a product of love, you're only as connected as the love. As soon as the love dies, so does the connection. But if the connection breeds love, well, you have an endless supply of love because the connection is endless. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. So is the concept of fake it till you make it? So, but this whole, this whole um, concept now is your perception is real until it's not real, but you must assume that it's fake until it becomes real. So because it's, it's, it, it says that you're not, it's not, it's just a perception and you have to make it a reality, but you don't know because you only see things through your own perception. So you've got to do to get the connection but, and think you've got it until you've got yes. it and you know you've got it. Yes. But it's not that you've just psychologically developed it. It's just that you became aware of something that you already had. It was always there. It was always there. Uh, so by, by doing it, you've got the connection and you become aware of it. Um, it, it become oh. Exactly. And was, or even if you don't do it, you have the connection. One of, one of the reasons why in, in you know, the, what the, from the Chabad paradigm worldview, you know, we have all kinds of Jews that walk through our doors. And we don't say, well, wait a minute. Let me look at your checklist first, as other communities might. And the reason is because the checklist is not what builds the connection. The checklist will just develop an existing connection. So let's look at the connection, not the checklist. The connection's already there. And, that, and that's what we're saying here, that this kavana that we're trying to achieve, that we're all one on a very essential core level, not just because of our perceptions and not just because of our passions, it's just who we are. Although it is a very deep level of kavana and requires a very deep sense of selfless love, at the end of the day, it's something that we already have ingrained of us, uh, within us. We just need to be aware of it. And if we're not aware of it, so you could fake it because the truth is you're not really faking it. You're just training yourself to believe something you already have within you. Make sense? Yeah. And it, it's... It's funny because there's so much room for cynicism here. There is. We can easily just say that you're psychologically building a non-existent connection. You could. It doesn't matter because it's already there. So it doesn't matter. It's already happen. there, right? So God, whatever God you gives perceive, room. it doesn't matter. What? Whatever you perceive, it doesn't matter because the connection's there. So exactly. if you perceive it, you're going to have a better life. And, and that's why, you know, it's not uncommon where I'll, I'll meet a fellow, a fellow Jim, and say, hey, buddy, would you like to put on filling today? No, thank you. Oh, why not? Let's do it. Oh, no, thanks, Rabbi. I'm not religious. Oh, okay. I asked if you would like to put on filling today. I wasn't asking about your religious status. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Well, why not? We're talking two different languages here, right? Rabbi, I already told you I'm not religious. Okay, you don't know. What, is, what does that have to do with anything? I'm asking if you want to put on trillin. <laughs> I'm not talking about religion. Religion has nothing to do with it. I'm talking about our connection to Hashem, expressing an existent connection to Hashem. 
and 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 that's really the 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 paradigm that we view it within. It's or the connection is there. We just need to be aware of it. And if we're not aware of it, pretend that you're aware of it because you will develop that awareness. Take a look on page 515. The middle of the, uh, of the page, it's the second bold paragraph. It's a long paragraph, but this is groundbreaking. This is, this is so important. He says, nevertheless, even though you have, even though to have genuine, genuine intent when saying this Kabbalistic Kavana would seem beyond the reach of most people, Everyone should practice this kavana regularly. Envision the essential connection and at least try to mean it genuinely because even if you don't mean it with absolute genuine conviction in your heart, even though emotionally you don't feel it, that doesn't mean it's not true, right? And you don't desire it with all your heart. Nevertheless, to a very small extent, at least your heart does desire it genuinely. The, the, the author is telling us that our heart does feel an essential, have an essential connection and our heart feels it. And if our heart doesn't feel it, too bad, because it does. <laughs> we just have to be more aware of it. And as a result of the innate love found in the heart of all of Israel, which represents an innate embodied desire to carry out whatever the divine will may be, and this merging of God's infinite light of the Shekhinah, the divine presence, the source of the souls of Israel, is in fact a real divine will. This is what the soul really wants. Our soul really does have that connection. The connection is there. We might not be aware of it. Okay, so we'll try to become aware of it. But the starting point is the faith and the belief that it's truly there. So, so if you're not aware of it, is your heart like a stone? From the previous chapters, or is it got a, is a different concept? Because um, you have to shift your heart to open up so that you open to the connection. And good, if it's like question. a stone, you can block it. And then, um, and you have to do things to open up your, to, to, to hit it, <laughs> to, to make it feel the connection. So part of it, you know, it, it could be like a stone. We could lack feeling of this connection even if our heart is receptive. It's possible that I'm passionate about God, yeah. but I'm passionate because of the feeling, because, I'm, because I love God, not because I feel connected. Um, it's a very nuanced difference. But putting on the tefillin, would it not soften the heart to allow the connection? Or is it a different thing? It's more intellectual connection. I, I, it the, could be the, more, in, it, yeah, it could be that a person has an intellectual connection. It could be something they the find meaningful, right? Yeah. It could be you find it, I find it's feeling meaningful. I find the Shabbos candles meaningful, but it's, it has nothing to do with my connection. So it's got nothing to do with your connection lighting Shabbos candles? No, no, it does, but it's possible that perceptually it doesn't. Oh, okay. And what he's saying is, even if you're doing it because it's meaningful, not because of the connection, because yeah. that's not where I'm holding perceptually. If I have faith in that connection, I could develop it. Yeah. It, it takes just a, an ounce of faith. And we could build on that ounce. I'll tell you a great story. 
the author of the Tanya, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Lihadi, had a, a student who was known as a very simple Jew. Uh, intellectually simple. Um, a dedicated person but to his Judaism, but, but he was very, he's known as simple. And Hasidim, fellow Hasidim, were surprised to see him davening for so long, for hours and hours. And you could see like he was in this meditative state. It's in this strong meditative state. And, and uh, you know, they knew him. They knew that he didn't necessarily understand the words of prayer. He was fluent in reading Hebrew, but, but they knew that he wasn't thinking about every, the meaning and significance and the spiritual significance and the Kabbalistic significance of every word. And they were kind of surprised, like, what, is, what, if, what are you doing for so long? <laughs> Why does it? So they asked him. They said, look, we're good buddies. We know that um, the, the mystical understandings of prayer are not your um, strong point. How does it take you so long to pray? So he says, I heard one insight from the Alter Rebbe, from the author of the Tanya. I heard one insight from him. It's a one small insight, and that carried me through. And he shared the insight. In, in the Lecha Dodi prayer, we say, Shamor Vezachor Bedibor Echad. Shamor Vezachor Bedibor Echad, right? Which means when, when God gave the, if you look in the first of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments are, appear in the Torah twice. Once in the book of Exodus, once in the book of Deuteronomy. And one time it says, Shamor, protect the Shabbos. The next time it says, Zachor, remember the Shabbos. And when God actually recited the commandments at Sinai, he recited those two words together. Something impo impossible for, for humans to, to actually um, visualize. But God said it at the same time. And that's why we say in the Lechadodi, Shamor Vezachor, to protect the Shabbos and to remember the Shabbos, those commandments, Bidibor Echad, were said in one speech. So here is the insight that the Alter Rebbe told him. He gave a spin on the interpretation. Shamor protect, zachor remember, bedibor in your speech echad, that there's only one. In every speech, in every word you produce, protect and remember the one God that is existence within it. Wow. God is within everything, and it was with. That one sentence, that one insight, it inspired him to pray with an immense focus daily for 40 years, 4-0. And Hasidim were amazed how one little idea inspired him to such an extent, not just inspired him, but, but really was able to push him to such an extent and this aim is here. One small idea. I really am connected. God is one. God is everywhere. God is really relevant. And God's essence, his oneness, really is present within everything. That one idea can carry us through to very far places. Even if we're not feeling it. This guy in the story didn't 
necessarily have the um, the greatest depth of insight or or breadth of insight as his colleagues. Might not have had the same passion as his colleagues, but that one insight was able to carry him through. We may be lacking to fully appreciate the depth of our connection. But if we just get it to a, a small ounce, like the guy in the story, it could push us very far. It could get us very far. Okay, that's my story. I'm sticking to it.